Detroit is a, a renaissance city full of renaissance people. When you, when you really think about the people that have come out of this place and the people that have returned home to this place, the gallery owners, the sculptors, the makers, you know, the makers. It really is about that. And it's also being able to see see yourself bigger than how people see you. You know, because sometimes Detroiters are looked at in one particular way, right? But you see yourself <laughs> in a completely different light. And so trying to, to balance how people see you and what your vision for your life is and how you see yourself in the world are normally two very different things. I brought my son home, King, as a, as a baby to raise him here. And by the time he was like three or four, if you ask my son, you know, King, who, who does your mommy work for? He would say, my mommy works for mommy. And then he, if you ask him, like, who's your, who's your doctor? You know, he would say, mommy's my doctor. <laughs> and who, who's your teacher? And he said, mommy is my teacher too. I became the first things, you know. There are other teachers, and of course there's probably some, some professional doctors that know more than I do. But I, I taught my son that it starts with um, what you already have, right? What you already have. We already have things that heal ourselves. We already know things without having to have read everything in a book. You know, you don't have to go to college for everything. Some things um, require intuition. Yeah, like intuition. And some things require vision. Being able to dream bigger than other people dream for you. That's what Detroiters do. People don't dream big for us. We dream big for us. And then we pour into the dream and we make it a reality. This is Intersections Detroit, Resilience and Hustle from the Heart of the D, Chapter 9, Vision. Culture is a way that people can share their stories, their perspectives, not only within themselves, it tells their stories, but to share with others. The community is my passion. The consciousness and elevation of the people is my passion. And I love it. I don't care how challenging it is, I love it. Peace and blessings, I am Zena Davis. The community calls me Mama Zena. I am a professional educator, entrepreneur. I am harmony and order, and I represent peace and love for the community and the village. When I think about my ancestral lineage and I think about the inspiration of my grandmother, her name was Hattie Mae Booth and she came from Rome, Georgia and they migrated up here to Detroit. She was as I am. So I'm the mama of the community and she was the mama of our family. She was what we called a hustler. 
She did whatever she needed to do as an entrepreneur to take care of the family. They used to call her the numbers lady. It wasn't lottery, it was running the numbers and people put money into a pot of numbers and she was always the one to keep the pot. So a lot of people in the community trusted her. She had a lot of friends, a lot of people that just loved her. She would give parties, she would give card parties, she would bring gatherings together and she kept our family together. She passed away in 1994, but what I got from my grandmother was love, peace, and light, and to treat people in a way of who they are and not what they do. And then one day, I was working as an executive administrator, and my grandmother had a childcare on my father's side. She needed help. I quit my job, humbled myself to go work with her to help the family, and that's when I realized my gift. I walk through the door and the children run. Mama Zena, Mama Zena, here's Mama Zena. And I said, wow, this is something that I enjoy doing and waking up in the morning. So now I invested in my education for early childhood and I started to learn a more holistic way of life. I feel like I am empowering children, teachers, and parents, and Every morning I feel like I'm on a journey and a mission. The journey and the mission is to bring light to the community and to people. And I just say the world is for everyone to come into oneness.
My name is Carlos Nielbock and I am an architectural ornamental metal artist. I grew up without any malice or precaution because of my biracial situation. My values arrive out of a time that is post-war and the reconstruction of Germany and the making do with the materials that you have available and to rely on the skills that was passed on to you by another generation that gives you the ability to not only restore but build new or rebuild or transform. When I first came to Detroit, it was almost like a, a revelation. Because A, I never seen as many black people in my life. I, you know, everybody was black from the bus driver to the cab driver to the banker the police, uh, you know, and all the people that are walking around right here. It's, I have an overcoming sense of belonging. And that was uh, the reason that I made a go here at Detroit, because I, I was that confident um, uh, that I'm able to unfold myself and build a future just by walking around, just that first impression. Disturbing, I think, about United States on how big the gap is between people they have not and would not have the opportunity to create their own reality. The unique identity of Detroit, I think, allows you to navigate your life untainted. My hopes will be a complete integration, an economy that reaches everybody in the United States, a more equal playing field so that you don't have that much difference between rich and poor.
I grew up in this neighborhood on the northwest side of Detroit, which was all black, working, and middle class, and then got shipped off to private school in the suburbs, where everybody was wealthier, mostly white, some other ethnicities, but always navigating this space in the in-between. So I'm a fringe member of a lot of groups. I can seamlessly weave in between so many different types of people, rich, poor, black, white, old, young, but I never feel 100% a member of any of those groups. That exposure to other cultures at a very young age for me made me kind of fearless in my interactions with other people. Hi, my name is Lauren Hood and I'm a Detroit activist, thinker, planner, motivator. So the space that I want to work in now is the inspirational space, giving people some, some motivation. And I think a lot of it comes from an acknowledgement and celebration of our culture. So there are all these people here that don't know that Detroit used to have a really thriving, and still does, a thriving black middle class, like it was a source of pride. And now I think we've lost our connection to that. And we, I don't know, we just, we highlight the struggle and we don't take time to celebrate our our accomplishments and our resilience. I think that what's important is us celebrating our culture, having more knowledge of our history here, whatever those things are that like flip that inner switch where people can start seeing their own worth and act advocating for themselves. I would love to see a Detroit Renaissance, like a real one. So for black people, the Harlem Renaissance was like this moment in time that we celebrate and view as a source of pride. What would it look like if we had a, a moment in time for black folks in Detroit right now, like we're still a black city. So what would it look like to, to see more of our art, music, culture, history celebrated?
Hello, my name is Eric Miller. At the age of six, I learned how to mow lawns. And, and I was taught by my cousin, Kenneth Smith, a young man who had a lot of ambitions in life and struggled. And I would always do lawns at the age of six, seven, eight years old for elderly people. You heard a lot of gunshots. Created the Lawn Academy to provide an avenue for youth to positively contribute to their communities and to succeed in life. But I look at it as a, as a canvas to teach a greater lesson in life. That's how I take it. So when I look at the lawns, I, I tell the youth, it's your responsibility to have character, and that is, if it's 90 degrees, 95 degrees outside, that person in that home is 80, 85 years old, or they're crippled. They can't come out here. We should feel honored to come out and take care of someone else. Because I believe a youth needs to be a part of the revitalization of whatever's going on. They need to touch, feel, the, and be a part of making the rebirth occur, even in the city of Detroit. So when that happens, and then the youth is invested in that rebuilding, then that youth develops a sense of compassion for others, for others in the community. Now they see themselves as a giver, as a nurturer in the community, and not as a taker. And it's my responsibility to make sure that I give the youth the tools that they need to succeed in life. So never give up on the kid. When I was younger, we used to say just affirming the culture of people of color was revolutionary in and of itself because it was so denigrated that to actually lift up the positive aspects of whether it was Mexican, Puerto Rican, or African American, and Native American culture was a reaffirmation in a positive way of no, we have something of value. That's why uh, when you think of the late 60s, early 70s, you hear black is beautiful, brown is beautiful, because you had to say that because the main story was, no, it's not beautiful. And so culture is a way that people can share their stories, their perspectives, not only within themselves, it tells their stories, but to share with others. So I really believe firmly in multi-cross-cultural work. My name is Osvaldo Rivera. They know me as Ozzy, lifetime resident of Southwest Detroit in Corktown. I'm Puerto Rican, born on the island. My families have been on the island of Puerto Rico since the 1800s. On my mother's side, her grandparents were, one of them was from Caracas, Venezuela. That made me who I am culturally and uh, politically because my father was a musician. Growing up, he was the only one at that time that played a particular guitar called El Cuatro. All the musicians used to hang out at my house. So I grew up, especially in my high school years, in the civil rights and the anti-war movement. And so education was flavored by growing up kind of poor 
and growing up during the period that is known as the civil rights period, that really influenced my outlook. That was the beginning of the brown and black power movements, and as a student, I got involved in that. When I went to college, I studied at the Center for Chicano Boricua Studies, which at that time in 1971 was called Latino in Macha. It was a leadership program. Got really into ethnic studies and understanding social contexts for why our communities, the Puerto Rican, Mexican, and African American communities were going through the circumstances they were facing at the moment. And that set me into a motion in terms of activism. Had been, been raised in a musical and culturally active family, then I learned how to use culture and music to do community organizing. When you're surrounded by leaders, and we're talking about grassroots, ordinary neighborhood leaders who every day just assert themselves culturally and politically, and I mean it in the broadest sense, just for their everyday lives, you just think of it as a new norm. And so you act that way. Then you're surrounded by these educators who are Catholic activists in the anti-war and peace and civil rights movements, and you're just given this extra spiritual lift to keep on that same trail. What I hope to be part of the process were my experiences, both as a community organizer, a developer of organizations, is to pass that knowledge on to a new generation of activists who, though they have a heart for social justice, don't necessarily have those skills at this moment, but are searching for them. one back out there so technically that's two I mean I didn't number them but that that's two of the big ones three yeah there's another one this one's been really tagged up I mean to me that's funny that this one became the target somebody tagged the front of it and then other people came along and didn't like that person and tagged over them The foundation of like who I became as a woman is definitely from my dad. My mom, Wolverhampton, uh, European um, woman, been in Detroit since she was 17. It was very different, you know, as you know, being British, you know, very much more reserved and, and pulled in a way that I didn't quite understand because I was so wild and so alive and loud. <laughs> and like my daddy who had Cadillacs and cool hats and I definitely am my daddy's child. I was very, very close to my father. Um, he died in 1994. It took me to become a, a woman and a wife and a mother to understand my mother more. And so I'm more like her in other ways that I realize. Um, and just to realize her strength and the different ways that she approached life. But she was much, you know, you just understand that that dynamic between them was very different. He was very much um, the dynamic uh, figure in my home. So I grew up with a very strong black father figure in my house. 
but because my dad was so black and so Alabama and so about it and so about Detroit and so about like uh, going, he went down south. We spent our summers going to Alabama in the Cadillacs where he's smoking his cool miles. Um, you know, completely politically incorrect, like smoking cigarettes out the window and no seat belts and you know, good times. You know, because when you were just growing up, it was definitely a, a freer time. Traveled with my father down to Alabama, and um, I never had any deep because I grew up very much like with my Alabama family down south, knowing those are my roots, those are my people. And we went to Canada all the time, and so I grew up with my British Canadian family my entire life. My cousins were very close, and there's the only, my grandfather Arthur Bell was very close to my grandfather. He loved us. I mean, we didn't have any kind of you know people have issues like disownment and. Normally the white family disowning the black family. And so we didn't experience any of that. And I think it's because they weren't American, to be honest. And so um, I think that in the politics is very similar. And they, you know, they love my mom, you know, and they, and they love my dad, too. We, we were fun. You know, it's so funny, even my cousins now, they came to visit Detroit. And you know, one of my uh, little cousins said, are we part black? And I was like, yes, because I'm your cousin, so you're black, too. I think people need that balance of having that healthy, multicultural kind of mix of people in my family helped me have a better global perspective on the world. Without my father being a pan-Africanist, without us having like Malcolm X and W. Du Bois and Marcus Garvey on the wall, I was still very much grounded in blackness because my father was enough. You know, he really was enough for me to know that black excellence was real, that I was something important. I'm Jessica Caremore and I am a poet. I am an artist, I'm an institution builder, I'm a lover of humanity, and I'm King's mom. Community for me in my life is global. When I moved back to Detroit, I was gone for 12 years living in Brooklyn and Harlem and had a life as an artist in Atlanta, Georgia, and moved back home for personal reasons and to figure out how I was gonna make a living in, in the artist community here. And so I had to really search for that global community. I've traveled all over the world and performed in South Africa and performed in Brazil. And as an arts curator, as a producer, I know I have to represent Detroit in a different kind of way. Brought Black Women Rock here. I've been producing Black Women Rock for 15 years now. And that, the work that I was doing in New York and Atlanta, I just brought it with me. Detroit for me is home. I found a groundedness that I think I didn't want to admit that I needed with my family being here. My DNA is in this place, right? It, it really is a part of what makes Detroit happen. So I lived in the belly of it and I feel very connected to my community. I'm very proud of my culture, very proud of where I'm from. I came up in a very black city and I'm unapologetically black.
I'm George Anamdi. I'm an art dealer. I'm also a creative placemaker in the city of Detroit. Culture helps people have some sense of self and some sense of uh, responsibility. I think we could be a model for the future because you have an opportunity here in Detroit to foster development where people can start functioning together in a holistic way. The world is for everyone to come into oneness. No more separation, but oneness of consciousness. Oneness of consciousness. Detroit is unique in that it has been coming back for so long that if you're going to be here, you either are part of the solution or part of the problem. I am Rochelle Riley, a Detroiter, not by birth, but by claim and by right. And I am so thrilled to call this my home. I, I think that the greatest thing that this community can do for itself is to see that we're all one community. Most of the people who are, live in all of these other places and a lot of Michigan were born in Detroit. Detroit is Michigan. Detroit is America. We want people to know the Detroit where we live and love because, you know, I had people who thought I was crazy to come here, crazy to stay here. I came here in 2000. My anniversary is 9-11 of 2000. And I was supposed to be here for exactly two years on my way to Los Angeles to make films. I am here because Detroit grows on you. My greatest wish for Detroit, whether I can continue to make it happen or I come back and see it as a 90-year-old woman who can celebrate it, is that people stop seeing Detroit and its surrounding area as two different places, separated by race, separated by economic status, separated by money. I think if we really embrace how great we are and share that, it'll be the best thing in the world. Detroit is America. Intersections Detroit is produced by LaToya Cross in the D for the Human Atlas and Rethink Audio. 
The executive producer and sound designer is Sarah Miles. Original music by Brian Eno, Ife Bess, and Marcus Elliott. Concept and interviews conducted by Marcus Lyon and his Human Atlas team. That's Camilla Pastorelli and Joe Briggs Price. Support for Intersections and the Human Atlas comes from the Kresge Foundation, working to expand opportunities in America's cities through grant making and social investing. For more information, go to kresge.org. Special thanks to all iDetroiters, the people of our city. Your resilience, fire, and voice is what makes this work possible. My name is Jessica Caremore. See you back here next week when you follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find great stories. Peace.